Hey everybody, welcome to the 61st episode of the JDO Show. I'm your host, J. David Osborne, and today on the show we have Kelby Losek. His new book is called Heathenish. It's out today from Broken River Books. Go buy it. It's it's a really short, intense, well-written, poetic account of some very, very rough times that Kelby went through recently. So that's what we talk about a lot in this episode. We talk about uh, growing up in a small town in the South, and how sometimes shit can just get a little crazy. I think you'll enjoy it, but go buy Heathenish. It's $3.99. It's on Amazon.com. It's a really, really great book. Kelby and I are both really proud of it. Go give it a look and uh, check out that badass cover by Matthew Rivera. And um, yeah, go get that book, Heathenish, by Kelby Losek. And enjoy this interview with Mr. Kelby Losek. All right, so we're set. We're rolling. We're good. Sweet. What's up, dude? How's it going? Good. Really good. How was work? Exhausting. I uh, I thought it'd be a good idea to guzzle down some coffee before this, but now I'm just jittery. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, I know what you mean. It's whenever, uh, whenever you reach that point, it's actually normally just good to go for beer because beer won't put you out. It'll just, like, I don't know, make you less worried about being tired. But now if you drink beer... You're going to feel all fucked up. Yeah, yeah. So it's just Disarono. Oh, <laughs> right on. There you go. Cool, cool. So I'm a little confused still as to what you... Now, you said you're a, you're a carpenter, right? Carpenter? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I build cabinets and shit, mostly. Oh, okay. Cool, cool. So basically, you work for a contractor, and you kind of go around and... If a new place needs cabinets, you you make them, basically? Yeah, yeah. This year, it's been, like, all commercial shit. Mm-hmm. Like, really boring stuff that gas stations need. Mm-hmm. But those are, like, million-dollar jobs. So, it's... I mean, I don't get a million dollars, but... Right. I was going <laughs> to say, keep... if, you, if you had a million dollars, you wouldn't be needing to publish me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'd be like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> but, uh, holding out on him. I know, I know. <laughs> Kelby's always holding out his million-dollar ass. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, last time I saw you it was in Oklahoma. Yeah. And that was kind of a wild time. If I remember correctly, Eric gave us homemade tattoos. Yep, I got mine. Yeah, dude. Right yeah, hold on. Let me take a. I'm gonna take a screenshot of it. Hold on. <laughs> Maybe I'm gonna start doing that, like adding screenshots to the podcast. That'll be kind of cool, right? Just a little timestamp. But yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that was crazy, man. I got. Uh, I think I wait. No, I got. Which you one got did the I dollar sign. Oh, the dollar sign on my leg with the Tim did that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and have you been back to Oklahoma since? No, I haven't. Yeah, there's no fucking reason to be back to Oklahoma, is there? <laughs> yeah. You moved. Why would I go back to Oklahoma? <laughs> just to hang out. Like, I don't know. Hey, yeah. Oklahoma City, it's a great town to just kind of go to for no reason. Um, but so what have you... So so kind of take me through the timeline then, because that was... Uh, that had to have been, what, three years ago? Something like that? Yeah, that was three years ago. Uh so take yeah. me through the timeline of your life. Where were you at when you when we hung out, and then where did life take you to end you up here? When we hung out, 
was at the uh, nearing the end of my my wild wild times. Okay. I was um I was still uh, selling drugs around here and shit like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I just got back, I had um maybe a month after I got after I left your place, I uh, was in hospitals like once a week at least. And then, like, every single day. And then, uh, and then I had, I was kind of forced to settle down because I got so fucking sick and, uh, started dating my current wife, which I was already working with at mm-hmm. the time. So then just kind of things got progressively better after that. Mm-hmm. So and, what uh, was, what was wrong? Uh, it's something with your stomach, right? Yeah, I actually still have, like, an erosion in my stomach. So I have to, like, watch what I eat and shit like that. What, is um, that, what does that mean? I, know, I mean, I know what the, the word erosion means, but when you have an erosion in your stomach, where does that, what causes that, and what is, what like, what, what the fuck is happening? Uh, I don't know what, I mean, I know a lot of shit that could have caused it, but, um... Mm-hmm. It was like eating away the lining in my stomach, mm. all the, all the glass that I was eating and shit like that. And uh, wait, hold on. So back tore open. glass that you were eating. Explain that. I mean, I mean, like rocks, like mm-hmm. meth and. Shit. Um. That was eating away the lining of my stomach. Mm-hmm. And no, the so, reason why I ask is just for for people who think that you are like chewing on a, on a McDonald's Garfield cup. Or something like that, you know. Oh, we're already recording, huh? Yeah. <laughs> All right, you sneaky bastard. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh. So from there, it uh. I don't know. I I took these really expensive pills that okay. helped fix the lining of my stomach, but it's still really weak. So like, I just can't eat a lot of bad shit, or it'll like tear my stomach open pretty now, much is that going to be something that like eventually gets fixed or is it kind of a chronic problem for life uh man i don't i don't know hopefully dietary uh being being good with my diet and then um i guess that's pretty much it because i don't take any kind of medicine anymore uh mm-hmm. hopefully that just regulates it i have like stomach problems already to begin with like my dad has stomach problems and shit, so mm-hmm. probably don't have a lot to look forward to in that regard. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of man. I I had stomach problems too, but um, basically, what did I do? I'm trying to think if I have it. Man, do you drink a lot of tea? I try to. I should drink more, but yeah. yeah. Switching to tea has been the biggest thing for me. So basically, I this sounds gross, I know, but basically, my problem was from probably about like mid 20s until about a year ago i just like had a real tough time making solid shit you know what i mean to the point where like it was it was normal for me to just like every pretty much every day just have some kind of diarrhea you know and i mean i know that's not normal um but (laughs) basically what ended up happening was one day i decided that i was like i wasn't gonna um drink coffee anymore because i was just like "Ah, i don't feel like drinking coffee 
And then I was so like in tune with like my stomach and what was going on with it that like as soon as I stopped drinking coffee, everything immediately became backed up, right? So it was like the actually the opposite problem. And so as soon as I switched to tea, like everything started getting better because I guess coffee, if you think about it, it's it's acidic. So basically like I was just pouring it and my body was just like, no, dude, like send it through, like it's coffee again, like send it and anything that is attached to it out through the asshole because we are not processing this shit right now. So basically, I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, your problem might be a little bit different than mine, but so <clears throat> when you uh, were kind of getting into trouble and things like that, was this a gradual process? Like, were you a bad kid? Uh, Yeah, I was a bored kid, I think is where it started. So then, uh, I don't know. I wasn't, um, actually my parents might have like a different story depending on which one you ask. My dad will say I put all the gray hairs on his head <laughs> and then, uh, my mom will be like, he was so good, you know, he's such a <laughs> <sweet."> <laughs> typical mom. That's, that's my mom too, dude. She's like, she's like, you've always been good. I'm like, mom, you, do you realize what was going on? She's like, oh, absolutely. But you have a good heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your heart was in the right place. Like, While you're doing all the fucked up shit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, dude. Exactly. But uh, so basically, uh, was this like something that like, because a lot of times I know for me, like, I think I was good up until high school, probably like that's where shit went south for me. Uh, like that was like a, I was like the kind of kid I remember I tell this story sometimes where like I was such a good kid that in like the first grade, this is a memory that I have. We had our, our elementary school teacher had a system called it was like different colored bears, and if you were on purple bear you were good, and then yellow bear you were in trouble, and then red bear you were in big trouble, and then black bear you were fucked man. And so I was always on purple bear because I was good as hell, and so one day I came in from recess and the kids were like you're on yellow bear, and I started crying dude. I was like why what did I do I didn't do, I'm always on purple bear. And then they all started laughing at me because, like, they had just done it and they had just told me. And I went and I told the teacher. I, like, snitched them all out. I'm like, they're all mean. And so basically, so, like, it went from being that kid. <laughs> and then something went terribly wrong around, I don't know, like, eighth or ninth grade, I guess. I think it might have been ICP. And then you were a black bear. And then I was black bear all the time, dude. <laughs> so I was just wondering if it was, like, similar for you or if you were just always, like, a latchkey kid. No, it was it was very gradual. Uh, man, I don't I don't know. I, I've always been me. So like, I, I don't know. Doing good or bad shit, I think is like. Uh, man, I don't think like people are good or bad. Really, mm. the with getting into trouble and shit, I think that's situational because it was. I don't know. It just took one thing. It took like me almost going to prison and my who was then my girlfriend at the time just being like, you know, I'm gonna listen to you instead of throwing you out and mm -hmm. everything. Just for me to be like, Oh fuck, like I could be doing better shit now. Mm -hmm. You know. And before that it was just shit where I was either I was bored mm -hmm. or I was already I was already hooked like you know I have an addictive personality so that goes that helps and hurts mm -hmm. a lot mm -hmm. 
um, yeah, I think it was all situational. Like as a, even as a kid, I was a, I was a church kid. Mm-hmm. So that really fucked me up. Well, it looks like you're still a church kid. You have that tattoo of a cross on your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got the one upside down, the one right side up. You don't know what the fuck's going on. I know, man. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, no, man, I, I get it. You know what's so interesting is when you talk about things like that being situational is that's kind of always how I felt growing up in Lawton, you know. Um, Lawton to me seemed like a lot of people did the shit that they did in that town because they were in, like just absurdly bored, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that's what a lot of people don't get is that like there are people who are starving, right, and who... Um, you know, who rob places, but like, that's, that's what, that's what I think media wants you to think like, cause that's the narrative that I think, uh, people of a certain monetary financial class would think like it would, you know, you'd have to have a Walter White situation where you're dying of cancer and you can't afford the treatment. So you have to become a meth kingpin. But I think like maybe the scarier answer is that people go out and they hit licks and shit because they're fucking bored. Like it has as much to do with yeah. boredom as needing money. Right. That's exactly it. And, like, I didn't give a fuck about money when I was doing all that shit. Like, I don't have anything to show for it. Mm-hmm. I had friends who were, like, you know, had three-piece suits and were buying cars and shit. And I was like, we do the same kind of stuff. What the fuck am I doing wrong? You know, I just, <laughs> I'm just fucking blowing it everywhere. Yeah. I'd but, be like, hey, I want to go to Norman and, you know, read at a bar. So I'm just going to spend my money on a bus ticket. I was like, bye, <laughs> peace. Yeah. that's funny man no that yeah but that's that's the thing is that it's just it really does have like and you have to be presented with the situation right so everybody has to have nobody's like it it sounds so crazy because you know it's almost like exactly what parents say it's like stop hanging around with those kids or whatever but it really is (laughs) you know what i mean it's like most people are not gonna come up with this fucked up shit just out of nowhere just out of the blue right I mean, sometimes they do. Sometimes they, you know, get really, really mad and decide to start shooting people on Facebook Live because they're upset. But most people aren't like that. (laughs) (laughs) Most people aren't like that. So, yeah, so so basically, okay, so you did, uh, so what was the almost jail thing about? Um, I was running around with my uncle a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's a prime example of somebody who's like, is it's complicated. Like the uh, where, as far as where the situational kind of philosophy comes into play, he's almost an exception to that mm. because no matter what situation he's in, he will always jump back to where it, he like wants to be a thug. You mm. know, mm-hmm. that's like always been his thing since he was like twelve years old selling meth in the trailer park. He was like, and I was running around with him and everything, and uh, I had my, it was weird, I didn't have like an APB on me or anything, because mm-hmm. I think that's where people are hunting your ass down, no, and they're going to catch yeah. you. It's an all, what is it, all persons bulletin? So it's like all cops yeah. are supposed to be looking for you, basically? Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't that, but my car was on a uh, a watch list, like... Anytime they saw my place, they saw my car driving around, the uh, the city was notified. They had to pull me over, come up with any reason they could to pull me over and search my vehicle. 
and this happened like it it got to like twice a week, three times a week sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I was already like kind of sobering up almost and or well not really. I'd almost just decided that I was going to. It's a process, and, uh, right? It's a, it's a long yeah. ass process. It, yeah, it's like in my head, I'm like, yeah, I got clean, but no, it wasn't like. <laughs> but it's weird because you do you remember when you decided almost as like like that's the because it's a mental flip, and then you have to like the, the body has to catch up with the mind, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in my head, I was already there, but it was like. My body was like, no, dude, no. <laughs> I'm going to freak out on you. I'm gonna, you better not flush that shit. What are you doing? <laughs> 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 but, uh, no, so they, um, I was on my way to, uh, to pick Erica up to go, uh, to go eat ice cream. She was on this stupid fitness challenge with her work and couldn't, eat anything or drink anything that was good and so we were celebrating that it was over going to have ice cream and they fucking pulled me over for running a stop sign that i didn't run Mm -hmm. i sat there for like 30 seconds before going because i was nervous as hell they were behind me and then uh they pulled me over for running the stop sign and they ended up searching my vehicle and running through all that shit and uh it was the first time though that they ended up putting me in cuffs mm-hmm. and they were like, you know, this is just preliminary or precautionary, whatever. I was like, Oh, you know, okay, whatever. Cause at the time I was really like, I don't have anything to hide. You know, mm-hmm. I really don't have anything in my car and all this shit. So whatever, you know, do, do what you want and I'm going to be on my way. But then they pull some meth out of my car and I was like, Oh, and he's like, you know what this is? I'm like, well, fuck. It looks mm-hmm. like meth. And he's like, yup. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> and I mean, I should have been like, no, I ain't never seen that shit in my life. I don't know what that is. Right. But, uh, yeah, it, I mean, it belonged to my uncle because he's been driving been like, my car. You should have just been like, I don't know, it looks delicious. <laughs> <laughs> is that rock candy? <laughs> <laughs> but it was your, it was your uncle's, basically. Yeah, it was my uncle's. Uh, they, uh, I mean, I ended up getting, you know, put in the car and shit. And, I mean, kind of long story short, they pulled it out to test it. And then they pulled me to the back of the car and they were like, hey. And I don't know if it was because I was being cooperative or if it was because they really believed it was not mine or mm-hmm. or they were fucking crooked as hell and just wanted to, you know, pocket some meth or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, I don't know what. But they were like, so we're going to let you go, you know, uh, watch who you're hanging around with and shit like that. Maybe, you know, they were like, I know this dude's your uncle, but maybe, you know, don't hang out with him anymore and stuff like that. So I was like, cool, peace, I'm out. I think that's <laughs> called I think that's called white privilege, Kobe. I know, I know. It's because, like, <laughs> if, I was, if I was black, they would have taken it. And taking me to prison. <laughs> oh, for sure. Absolutely. Without a, doubt. Without a doubt. If anybody ever doubts that that shit doesn't exist, it certainly does. But so basically, so at that point, was Erica like, was she like fucking pissed or whatever? Or was she confused? Or what, what was going on with that? No, she was confused as hell because uh, she knew stuff that I did. So I don't know why she went out with me to begin with. Because mm-hmm. she's like from a different walk of life completely. Yeah. Um, 
but <laughs> she uh was that rios oh she's watching uh she's watching her k dramas over there we have a studio so we're actually all in the same room but yeah she's watching her <laughs> uh her soap operas and i guess something amused her just now <laughs> hi rios <laughs> oh she can't hear she's got her headphones on okay i'll tell well, you um <laughs> all right cool uh, oh shit what was i saying Talk um, Erica. Yeah, she was from a different walk of life, and uh, she was just she was confused as hell when all that was going on. Because I was actually trying to text her while it was all going on. Right. I asked the cop. I was like, "Hey, I was on my way to pick up my girlfriend. Like, in five minutes from now, can I text her?" And he's like, uh, "Yeah, I guess. Cool." And so I'm like in handcuffs behind my back, like trying to text texture what's going on i'm like in a cop car That's which is a terrible it's, thing. it's in the book and i was like i was like you're gonna have to like flesh out the logistics of how this shit works you know what i mean <laughs> I, was like, I was like i don't really get what's going on now that was like one of my only notes that i had i was like how the fuck are you texting like with handcuffs behind your back <laughs> yeah yeah it wasn't easy right. um and, and i had one of those phones still because uh, i was like i wanted to match the mold of a typical drug dealer i guess so i had this fucking old ass phone that was like yeah yeah i had one of those burner phones so i was actually pressing the numbers to get the <laughs> letters out and all that shit i was t9 in that motherfucker hell and, yeah uh, it's so gangster <laughs> in the back of a cop car <laughs> trying to text on your nokia with a pair of handcuffs on <laughs> yeah. yeah right <laughs> Fucking hood rat, man. Yeah, for That's sure. Good. That's great. Oh. But so did basically, so once that happened, I mean, I'm assuming, uh, I know for me, basically, when I uh, decided to stop doing most of that shit, like, I kept, um, I would say I kept a core friend group of about three or four people, but like most other people like disappeared. So is that kind of similar to your experience? Oh, yeah. Like, fucking spot on. Mm-hmm. There's um, people that, I mean, not just people I hung around with, but people I was, like, in with, mm-hmm. don't talk to any of those people anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I would just, I would kind of try, I would try to follow up on them, be like, you know, hey, what's up? You know, I know this was going on, how's that going for you? And just not get anything in mm-hmm. return. And some of them I just knew I had to drop. I was like, there's no way I can be friends with these people. Was it just too too wild or what? Yeah, yeah, it's like, it's it's just hard in the paint all the time, mm-hmm. like, and that's just all it is. Mm-hmm. So, it's kind of like I I knew there's no point to keep connection because that's just that's the only lifestyle. It's not just part of it. That's like that like is it. Yeah. But yeah. So I mean, yeah, I guess, man. Uh, it's kind of it's hard to say, right? But it always makes me wonder, like, what. Because I have, like I said, I still have friends from that time who are all, you know, they're doing various degrees of fine. Uh, and then I do have people that I know who are still doing the same damn thing, right? So I wonder what what makes somebody go one way and somebody else go another way? Is it just like, is it completely outside forces or, or, or what, what do you think? Uh... In a nutshell, I think it's all you. Mm. Like, like I was talking about my uncle. He wants to be in that shit. 
Mm. Like, and we'll straight up say it, like, that's what he enjoys. Mm. Loves the fuck out of it. Mm. You can give him a house, which has literally happened before, and he'll just walk away from it. And, like, sell all of his shit and just go live out of his truck and run drugs and all of that shit. Mm -hmm. And, no, I mean, I don't know. People are wired differently. So it's, like, internal and external because you can't really control, you know, you can't make your brain. So it's, like, you're you're born how you're born, I guess. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't know. I, I guess some people are able to cross that threshold of, okay, this is how I'm wired, but this isn't how I want to do things anymore, or, you know, I'm going to try to go down this route or whatever. Mm-hmm. And some people just want to stick to it. They just comfortable or whatever. I think also probably it's, <clears throat> it's kind of like everything else that's bad for you is that it would be, I'd be lying if I said that it actually wasn't really fun when it was going on. You know what I mean? Like, oh, hell yeah, yeah. Like, sometimes I still get that feeling in me, dude. You know? It's like, it's one of those things where, man, being, waking up hungover as shit, but, you know, being with your homeboys and, like, they, they make eggs and you hang out during the day and you play Xbox and then, <laughs> this is, this is like, you know, Saturday morning, right? So this is from Friday night. And then, you know, and then they have a few, like, you know, they got a little, a few little things of Molly, so they break it open and they put it on the thing. And you can just like, you can just eat a little bit of it. You can parachute some. You know, it's like, hey man, you want to split this up? We can eat the parachute. And you're like, oh, I hate parachuting, but I love Molly, so okay. Like, <laughs> and then it's like, and then you start to feel like buzz, and then all of a sudden it's like, it's zoop, like it zoops up to like six or seven o'clock, and they're like, all right, cool. You know, we're going to platinum or we're going to last call or you know whatever which i think both of those clubs are fucking gone now but and it would be for some bullshit like edm rave night or whatever but i would be like let's fucking go you know <laughs> and then we'd go out yeah. there and just be like fucking having a blast like everything is hilarious my friends are funny as shit that's the one thing about hood rats man is that they are funny because they don't give a fuck like nothing's off limits for them so they're Easily, oh, no, easily no, the funniest no. people that you could possibly hang out with. And then, at the end of the night, you go to sleep happy, if you go to sleep, and <laughs> you wake up feeling like shit, but then you can just, like... So it's sustainable as long as your body can hold on to it, right? And that's why I think yeah. you see so many fucking just, like, used-up people, right? Because they just... They never got off the bus, right? They never got off the train, so... And it's a fast fucking train, so I mean... Yeah, you do that every day. It's kind of of a hard one to jump off of. Mm -hmm. And it's a hard one to jump off of because you basically have to be like, from here on out, like, I'm just not going to have... You know what? Here's an idea. I'm just not going to have fun. I had a few times, dude, this is embarrassing, where I was like throwing like temper tantrums to myself, right? I'd be alone in my house. I'd be like, I never get to have fucking fun anymore. It's like... It's like, yeah, dude, you just don't, it's because you don't know how to have fun like an adult, so no, you don't get to have fun. Because yeah, there would be, there yeah. would even be little times where, like, I'd go out to little, like, parties or something, and I'd be the one guy who, like, had a little bit too much to drink, and I was like, let's go fucking jump on a train! And, like, everybody's like, that, what are you doing? Like, this is not, like, you're, you're 27 years old, and I'll be like, yeah, I know, but don't you guys think it would be cool if we jumped on a train? And everybody's like, no, 
This is this is Portland, Oregon. No. Like, this is not Oklahoma, man. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking Okie. <laughs> so eventually, I was like, no. "Oh, this is how grown-ups work." Cool, got it. Right on. Yeah, yeah. No, that's the thing. Learning to have fun as an adult, dude. We're from like a weird fucking generation that's like doesn't want to grow up, which is fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. Like you, ev- like going into adulthood, right? Getting a fucking job. Everybody complains about having a job these days. Like, you want to bitch about money, but you're like, oh, it's, you know, fuck the system. You know, I'm not going to get a job and, mm-hmm. you know, become some kind of corporate, I don't know, with a necktie noose around my neck, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, but just, dude, fucking suck it up, man. Like, no, no, nobody's, it, it, it's, it could be so much worse, man. Like, no, oh. it really can. No, and that I, I think you're you're touching on something that I've been thinking about a lot lately, <clears throat> which is, I love doing Broken River and I love writing, but I gotta be honest, man. Like, I haven't been as happy as since I got a regular job, so I have a regular paycheck coming in all the time. Yeah, and yeah. Like doing, I was miserable the past two years, even though I was, you know, supposedly doing the thing that I love full time. Like, the money wasn't there. And I was just like on edge all the time and depressed and shit. And now I have this job and I'm just like, everything's fucking, let's go. Let's do it. Let's put books out. Like the gears no, are no, turning again, yeah. you know? No, people think they romanticize that fucking uh, starving artist bullshit. And like when you're hungry, from like you're literally hungry, good shit does not come out. Mm-mm. Like you got to get that bread. Right. And when you're, I mean, you can be hungry for your art, like, you know when you're comfortable enough to keep a roof over your head, like you can still be hungry for your art. You know, if you're passionate about something and, you know, go for that, you're not going to lose the drive or whatever, just because you're making a comfortable living. It's going to get better. That's bullshit. Yeah, exactly. Like I I was never in a position to write when like I was poor as fuck and having to fucking steal ramen noodles. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, no, for sure. And that's the thing. And like, it's a balance, right? And I think that, a lot of advice that people got was uh, very bougie advice. And so here, here's here's what I mean by that. I think that we were sold a bill of goods by, like, because I came up reading Fight Club, right? Uh, and mm-hmm. I think a lot of people my age did too. Like, that was the first book that I read because I saw the movie and I loved the movie. And so I picked up the book and that's kind of what made me want to write. But in that movie... I was one of the kids who was like 13 or 14 when I read it. So I took it literally. I didn't realize it was supposed to be a satire, right? So I was like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Dude, same here. Yeah. yeah. So basically, so I read it. I was like, fuck yeah, dude. And so all their, you know, their, their, their platitudes and about uh, shunning the corporate life and not being a drone and, you know, being free and all this kind of stuff. It really kind of spoke to me. And I realized that that is really powerful advice to people who already have a foundation right like giving up shit and following your path and stuff is great if you have uh $50,000 in a savings account somewhere it's maybe not great advice to a kid whose mother works as an elementary school teacher and whose father is a janitor to just follow their art like I've never in my entire life, I have not had a single safety net. In fact, 
right now this sounds this this is this is embarrassing to say but since i started this job over the course of a few months it's like this has been the first time i think maybe in my life where i just got paid and i had three hundred dollars in my account to begin with you see what i'm saying Baller. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah, dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? So, like, that whole, like, follow your dreams and shit, like, it's coming from a place from people who already have the financial backing, right? And for people like you and me and probably a lot of other artists, better a better thing would be to be, like, take care of that basic shit first and then mm-hmm. follow your dreams. And it's just, it's not fair, but it's it's reality. Oh, you got to get over that fair shit. <laughs> Man, I want to, I want to slap the fuck out of anybody who wants to moan about fairness. Like, no, fuck that shit. Just take that word out of your vocabulary. Like, no, like today. I mean, I woke up at fucking uh, four o'clock this morning and did some dishes and shit and made sure my wife had, you know, her lunch prepared for when she wakes up much later than I do and goes to work and then. And then I hopped over to work and worked a 10-hour, 10-and-a-half-hour shift. And then I came home and, you know, chilled for a minute. And I took some notes on my phone for this project, that project. And then, you know, chilled with my wife and then hopped on this with you. And people just got to be like, that's why I don't post my word count and shit like that. Like, everybody's all, uh, the writers are like, uh, man, I didn't get a thousand words today. I'm so fucking bummed. Hashtag, I hate my job. Like, dude, you got days where you can do it. You got days where you can't. But you just got to, like, fucking keep taking those steps. You know, nobody's nobody's pulling any kind of rug out from under you. It's true. And really nobody cares if you're writing anything right now or not. Anyways, so. <laughs> so fucking true, man. <laughs> oh, thank you for saying that. It's so fucking true. Nobody cares, dude. And the thing is, is that, man, when you listen to, like, other people with Brad Listy, like, most of the writers that he interviews uh, are, are, like, super bougie, you know? Uh, and so, like, they'll be like, what? he always asks them about their past and shit, and they'll be like, well, you know, I, uh, I, I went to this school or that, you know, we didn't have a, a bunch of money growing up, you know, father was a tenured professor, and, and, and mother was a, was, it, was a dance studio, she ran, ran a dance studio, and it's like... All right, listen, man. If your parents were a, a professor and your mom ran a dance studio, that you come from money, okay? So, like, yeah. so basically, but like, their stories are all boring, right? And that's why, I mean, that's why we all hate the. We, you're you're touching on something important because we all like to hate on that boring, quote unquote, New York literary scene, right? But that scene. Oh yeah. That scene is bred from the comfort that we all are bemoaning the fact that we do not have. Right. So, and I love to say fuck those people, and so yeah. I like to stay in the position of being able to say fuck those people right. by keeping a job and writing too. Yeah. Like, I don't give a fuck. I don't want to write for a living. I think my shit would be boring. Right. No good. Thank God. Yeah. Me too, man. Like, we're in the same boat. Like. That's why I like I'm like publishing you and uh, a, a few other people here who like well actually everybody on Broken River works for a, a living, whether it's you or Gabino or Scott like literally everybody like we're all pretty much the underdogs and I recently uh, agreed to put out a book I'm not sure how we're gonna do it because the dude's actually in in prison for life but that's kind of like the, <laughs> yeah I know dude it's it's rough but. 
uh, that's that's just kind of like what I'm. Book. What's that? I said I want that book. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I gotta. I have to edit it up. So we're actually like devising a system because he can't have internet. So we're dev- he's in Angola in New Orleans, um, and so we're gonna like kind of try to devise a system where we, I print it out, write all the edits by hand, and then make a sheet where each of the edits is numbered, and he approves or disapproves the number of the edits. So it might take a while for that book yeah. to come into fruition, but like, but that's what I'm interested in basically. It's interesting, you know, who had the book before I got it. Was a prodigy from Mob Deep because he has a book company. <laughs> oh no shit! So that's kind of the direction that I want to go. Anyway, that's me rambling about my own shit, but um, but that's what I'm talking about, dude. Like those stories because the, like we have this thing, and I apologize. I'm, I know that I'm rambling, and I promise I will let you talk. <laughs> but like, oh, good shit comes out when you ramble. Yeah, yeah. So basically, like my whole thing is that every like these these bougie people who have these bougie presses they are concerned with like diversity but the problem is is that they just get like gay people or black people or brown people who are also bougie to write books and it's kind of like you're not actually getting like a different experience you know what i'm saying so basically like my interest is like uh that broken river is like pretty much half people of color half white people now but i'm interested in like the stories of people who are from that class right because it's about class really and so, like that's where it, it that, that's that's where my interests go. It's like let's actually tell the stories of people who can't get to these points, you know, because they have to work for a living. You can't, you and me, man, we can't be the fucking, we can't be an intern at what like FSG or something like that. Get the fuck out! Like, how would we do that? The fuck is FSG? <laughs> it's for Ferrar, Strauss, and Giroux. It's a, it's a, it's actually, it's a pretty rad. Pr- as far as like. The big boys go like like they they do really cool work, but um, but anyway, yeah, that's my rant, dude. You can you can pick that apart if you want, or pick any part that you want to go from there. No, no, yeah, for real. That's yeah, it's a class thing. That's what I don't know. I've been uh, always wondered what it is really that draws me to shit like well, like Broken River or whatever. If you know what exactly makes it different. Aside, and that's it. Everybody on it is fucking blue collar, working like in the in the fucking gutter. Like not, and it's a class thing. It's not not about uh fucking like it's uh it's not a liberal thing. Like it's not enough to just be um progressive. Like that's great that progressive shit is coming out, but like that's not enough. Cause like if you just have a story written from a gay perspective that's about another dude walking around New York, kind of bummed about life and thinks everybody's a phony, and he just happens to be gay, like that's still boring as fuck. <laughs> like <laughs> that's exactly it, man. And you know what? I think I just I take it from from Lawton. I I told this a lot to a lot of different people, but growing up in Lawton, like. My core group of friends, like, we had people from every ethnicity you could imagine, every sexual orientation that you could imagine, and we talked crazy shit. Like, we said the foulest shit to each other in jest, but we all, like, loved each other, and that, to me, is the one thing about that fucked up life that I kind of romanticize in a way, was that we all were just people when we were hanging out, and so whenever I deal with, like, these liberal type people or whatever where everything is like on pins and needles and you have to be very careful 
about that. It's like, this is like the opposite of that paradise that I lived in. Yeah, yeah. No, dude, one of my closest friends is a lesbian, and she, uh, I used to work with her. So, I mean, if I ever work with you, you're going to hear, you're going to see the worst sides of me, like the most uncensored, because I'm just, you know, you got to make it through the day. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> she actually, she she told somebody one time, because I don't know, there was some kind of a, it, it's not where I work now, but I used to work with her at a bookstore. And um, there was some kind of HR shit going on where somebody said something either racist or homophobic and they were doing lots of investigation and shit. And everybody immediately started pointing the finger at me. Like, oh, did, Kel- did Kelby say something? And, uh, and my friend um, my friend Candace, what up? She, uh, she was like, no, like, Okay, here's the thing about Kelby. She was like, Kelby says the word faggot more than anybody that I work with here, but I know he's not homophobic. Right. <laughs> like, it's that. Like, oh, why can't we just be real with each other, you know? No, it's true, man. And that's, that, that's one of those things where, uh, man, like when I was hanging out with those dudes in, in – well, it's, it's one of the most interesting things to just kind of, like, kind of be in a group where it, like it had kind of felt like the N-word in a lot of ways had like lost its power. You know what I mean? Because like no, just nobody yeah. – you know, but, but then you, know, you go out into the real world, and I understand there's, there's a lot of like you just, you, you just don't do it. Like I get it. I understand, I guess. I just feel like – I don't know. I maybe experienced something that worked a lot better than <laughs> – what everybody alleges would work so yeah no i've backed i've backed away from that one recently yeah. <laughs> like that's just like okay i'll give y'all that one whatever but i mean where i grew up man that's like i was i was taught i was taught as like a term of endearment it was just the language mm-hmm. you know and nobody nobody gave a fuck mm-hmm. the only people i ever started seeing who gave a shit was white people who never left their computers that's such a fact dude they're the ones who like they're the ones who actually care you know what i mean yeah like, i think every time i've so been weird. like the, somebody called black gum homophobic on goodreads and i was like actually more than one person but every time i investigated it was like some tumblr teen that probably lived in a mansion in the suburbs somewhere you know what i mean <laughs> and i'm like yeah like get out of here shut the fuck up first of all it's my characters but I really did say that shit too, so I can't I can't pretend. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like oh, yeah. it's just a character. So. Yeah, weren't weren't you one of those characters? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But no, man, I don't know. It's just, but I I, I guess it's just like that. I've just seen that. That's just how it, it works when people are just like comfortable with each other, right? So it's different. It, it's levels to that shit, right? Because you don't say. I mean, even when you were running around with this group, I mean, like you maybe didn't talk that way to a stranger, right? Because you didn't know them like that. But, oh hell no! Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so and I mean, and like you just you, you don't say things hatefully towards people that you don't know. And the I think you know what though, dude. I I got to think about it because I think the internet has changed a lot of that shit. You know what I mean? Because you can talk crazy to a stranger, and 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 really say hurtful shit. And maybe that's where it gets kind of weird now. But then, I think about the internet when I was a kid, and that shit was like the wild west. <laughs> man i was just looking for people to blast back when like <laughs> trolling trolling wasn't even a word yet i didn't even know like 
nobody knew what the fuck that was. You were just searching for people to like just ruin their day because you were like, <laughs> oh, the internet. This is like the playground where I can be the bully, yeah. and like nobody knows I'm only sixty pounds. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you were literally the kid that Jay and Silent Bob beat up in the movie, right? Where they go around. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. But uh, so then, uh, so then you've you wrote. Did Cactus Honey ever come out? No. Okay. okay. I actually, uh, I just, did you ever read that? Yeah. Yeah, I read Cactus Honey. <laughs> what did you think of that? It was all right. Yeah, I actually just threw that in the trash the other day. Yeah, right on. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't, the, the thing is, dude, is that it wasn't, um, I had a sneaking suspicion that what, that what you really needed to do art-wise was just have like a raw kind of confessional book because I know like uh I noticed that like whenever there's people who've been through some crazy shit and then they they turn their life around it's almost like a book has to like come out after that you know in order for you to really move on so you just you have to get that all that shit out on paper and uh you know the language that you use in it is so like it's pretty much just stripped down. Like, it's just, you're just telling the story. Like, it is what it is. And it moves quickly. Like, we gave away those free copies, and I've gotten, like, ten messages from people who finished it that day. And they were like, well, that was fucking yeah. rad. It, people fucking love it. Like, it's it's dope. I'm excited. Um, yeah, yeah. But, um, but basically, like, I know that when shit like that happens, like... I mean, well, it's like, it's like with me, too. Like, I, I wrote, like, two fiction books that like kind of took things from life but then like black gum was where everything like turned you know what i'm saying and like yeah. i feel like we all kind of like need to do that when we turn shit around and turns out it's a good book so oh it was so cathartic too like as soon as it was so hard to write at first i was like man fuck david asking me to write this shit <laughs> <laughs> I was up until three in the morning and wouldn't get a word down because I would just be like, God damn, I'm so depressed. Like, people are going to be depressed reading it. Um, but uh, after, after I finally got over it and just started, it, it just started spilling out. Uh, I think it was like 90% for like trying to pump myself up mm-hmm. to write it. And then it was like 10% just going like a week straight up every night, all night, and just pumping that shit out and uh once it was out and it was just on paper it was like it was more of just a story mm-hmm. and like it wasn't in my brain like because before i put it on paper it was like i had to constantly live with okay i'm this new person now and this is where i came from and how do i adjust and what am i doing and once it was just on paper it was like all that shit from before was just a story now mm-hmm. and like the last page was done. I was like, cool. All right, I'm moving on now. Mm-hmm. I think I think uh, the way I call it is like it actually gave me, I was able to take good showers. Because you know like when you get into a shower, like you just start thinking about all the fucked up shit you've ever done, you know? Your brain's like, oh, <laughs> this is like really relaxing and nice. Remember all the fucked up shit? And you're like, oh, man. But like, yeah. no. You don't deserve this shower. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> should take it cold. Uh, but no, I think after writing... Uh, all that stuff i mean i feel like there's like kind of a movement with that though i mean black gum is a part of it like constants did glue um 
Kevin Maloney has Cult of Loretta. Um, obviously, what Scott. Oh McClanahan, yeah, that one's pretty autobiographical, huh? I think so. Yeah, and then Scott McClanahan, what he's doing, and so there's just all these folks like doing these really, really good like kind of confessions. So I feel like Heathenish really fits in well in that tradition. So if those are the kind of books that you like, you know, you have who else? Let's see Tiffany Scandal with like Jigsaw Youth and uh, Melissa Bunyales, her book. Like a bu- just a bunch of like, hey, remember when we were young and did stupid shit? But it's a re- it's a great genre. Like it's probably my favorite yeah. genre. Yeah, is it? What would you call that genre? Um, I'd call it the Jesus Son genre. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of Jesus Sunny. <laughs> uh, or you know, I'd call it Ah Youth. Ah, youth. Yeah. Ah, youth. <laughs> well, you're still a youth, man. So how how are your kids? They're uh they're good. Um, they're in cheerleading now, and uh, I don't see them a whole lot. Mm-hmm. But did you move? Far? They they moved, right? Yeah, they live pretty far away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good, man. That's good to hear. Well trying to think where were we i don't even remember i gotta stop drinking we were on i gotta stop drinking so many beers um <laughs> man i don't know we? <laughs> maybe if kelby and david put their heads together they can figure out what they were talking about no there's too many holes no. it's all swiss cheese now man yep yeah, I'm gonna do my I'm gonna do my door opening routine. You you can hammer wood together because like we basically have just like fried everything else. It's like just put a task in front of us where we have to like do something with our hands, right? <laughs> oh, uh, we were talking about um messaging earlier. Uh, oh. talking about the whole paperback versus ebook thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Hold on, I'm going to stop you right there cuz I'm going to go grab another beer, but I'll be right back, okay? All right, cool. You can make you can make noise if you want, like I might not even cut it out. Just say whatever. All right. We don't do the same drugs no more. We don't do the we don't do the same drugs, do the same drugs no more. Cuz she don't do the same drugs no more. We don't do the we don't do the same drugs. Do the same drugs no more. Must be love on the brain. <laughs> <laughs> no! no, that song's not that bad. It's good actually. That whole album's no, awesome. Fun. Oh, that album. That's album of the year. Oh, easily. Yeah, no, I, I've listened to it so many times uh, while I was writing that I just, yeah, no, the whole thing is good. But yeah, so with uh, Heathenish, I mean, I think that we're actually going to do things a little bit in reverse this time, and we're going to put the Kindle out and then the print. Um, because I'm always, like, experimenting, trying to figure out what works and what doesn't. And I mean, ideally, putting them both out at the same time probably works. Um but nobody knows what the fuck they're doing. So I think that a lot of the the people who buy print, they are in, like, no matter what, right? Nobody's tentatively yeah. buying print. 
And I think that's the problem with releasing print first, is that nobody's going to take a risk if it's just print. So I think that if you come out, you just have Kindle, then you maybe have everybody who's sort of on the fence about it and people who are really excited about it. And then, but like, I know, I know print buyers and print people will hold out for the print. They'll wait. They'll be like, I know I want this book. I'm going to buy it. I'm just waiting for the print. So I was wondering if you had thoughts on that. Yeah. Yeah. Print is like a, that's, that, that's like a niche and it's, it's more expensive yeah. for one. So that's the people going, okay, do I want to spend $3? Do I want to spend $12? And, but I think it's more of a product thing. Like when something's on a computer screen, you you don't see it, you don't feel it. So it might as well all be digital. Like mm-hmm. who the fuck cares? Mm-hmm. And if you can just fucking download it, you don't got to wait for it to show up on your doorstep. Mm-hmm. So I kind of see like print books as it's for that niche crowd for one, the people that are going to buy that thing. They want it on their shelf and they like to feel it, you know, and that's part of their reading experience is they have to hold it in their hands. And it's also for when you're out there literally physically pushing your books. Like that's when somebody's going to come up and, uh, like, uh, I just went to, um, Houston, uh, John Wayne, uh, Kaminali had a, a release party for his two books. Oh yeah. I Uh, like that guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's a cool guy. Uh, and I bought both of his books because I was there, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I would have picked them up anyways because I love what the dude writes, but, like, Porn Star Retirement Plan, I had downloaded because mm. I was like, oh, cool, this new book is out. I'm going to click because I saw it on Facebook and downloaded it because I wanted to read it. But since I was there, I picked it up, and that kind of woke me up to that mentality, like, oh, okay, this is maybe how that kind of thinking might work. Right. Like, People got to actually see this shit to be like, oh yeah, I'll pick that up. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the hardest thing, man. That's why I feel like it might be a really good idea to, uh, I don't know, like make friends with somebody who's got a really high definition camera, right? Because a lot of, I mean, when I think about new music that I find in particular, like if it's got, even if it's just a video of like a dude and his buddies, like around a car, if it looks really good and like crisp and clean. Like, I'm like, oh, okay, this is quality. You know what I mean? But if it's, like, taken yeah. on an iPhone and it's, like, on Worldstar or whatever, I'm like, hmm, I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> like, so it might be something like that. Like, I mean, I feel like writers might need to become friends with, uh, like, filmmakers. You know what I mean? And and really kind of expand into that. Multi- and I, I, I really do feel like writers should just have podcasts or YouTube channels or something, you know, where people can look at them and because people man it's the thing like i'm thinking about books that i buy i buy books because i have kind of like become attracted to that writer's personality whether that's through like their twitter profile or their youtube presence or even things that they write you know like that's the old school way of doing it it's just like actually writing shit that people become enamored with and want to read more of but i mean in this day and age it's becoming i think harder and harder to do that so I don't know, man. I just, I feel like, yeah, seeing shit live is cool, but we can't all tour live, so maybe we all have a buddy who has one of those fancy-ass cameras. It's like, hey, record me for 30 seconds just reading a passage from this book, and we're going to stand in front of a fucking 
aqueduct or like a broken down house or something. And I'm just going <laughs> yeah. to memorize this passage and I'm going to say it. And then it pops up heathenish, whatever. And then there's like a, you know, you check it out on Amazon, whatever. And people are like, oh, that's sick. Like, I'm going to go look at that. Is he a rapper? And it's like, nope. It's a book. <laughs> no, yeah, that's the way to go. No, dude, rappers got it down. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. I don't model anything that I try to do for my art. I don't model any of it after other authors because they suck. Mm-hmm. Like, rappers got it down as to how they push their shit out and just that that whole that they're all marketing geniuses specifically can you go into specifics about what works so well as as far as you're concerned with like with with rappers well uh i mean there's the way they push product for one uh mixtapes giving that shit away for free and then going and getting all their you know they'll worry about the money through the uh the studio albums or the tours or whatever so there's giving away free shit you know putting your harder your your hard work into something that you're just gonna give away to people like that's one thing to be considerate about maybe mm-hmm. you know people like free shit and that's a door open for you and then and then there's the uh the consistency i mean you know, writers like to talk about how they write, and rappers, I mean, the ones that I really like, they're always dropping albums. I don't ever hear them talking about rapping. That's so fucking true. The most you'll hear is be like, we're about to get in the studio. And then, like, they'll disappear yeah. and come back, and there'll be, like, a 13-track album. You'd be like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> like Future, I can't fucking keep up. Like, every, That's the way it should be, the, though. Yeah, it's exactly. almost like It's almost like artists themselves turn into channels right or radio stations you know what i mean and you can tune in when you want and see what they're up to but whenever you tune in there's always something new right yeah and if you miss it yeah. it's just it's just because the, the station is off and you're like you know if you turn mtv off you know you're gonna miss some shows whatever you don't care but you know there's always shows going on and like artists have to kind of become that like we're all channels now right so yeah you can yeah. turn our station off but when you turn it back on it's like, oh, it's it's usually things that I enjoy looking at, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's part of the, okay, so your channels, that's the work you're constantly putting out, but you got to be the station too. Mm-hmm. Like, people got to know to flip to that station to mm-hmm. watch whatever the fuck is on it. True. So that's, an, that's another thing with, like, in the rap game, everybody's really spot on with their brand. Like, well, I mean, the thing is, though, is, like, ASAP Mob had gams, you know, and I do think that writers are in a serious disadvantage because none of us have like that person who doesn't care about, you know what I mean? Like we're all writers and none of us are going to be willing, like I, I run Broken River and I still haven't given up writing, you know what I mean? But Yams never yeah. cared about, like, Yams didn't, was Yams ever on a track? I never heard him. I don't think so. Anyway, but he was, he was the reason he was like the Tumblr god and he was the, you know the the guy making connections and fucking hooking it all and he's in all the videos and everything like that rest in peace but like that's what writer i mean writers kind of need and i think that's what agents are supposed to be but agents in order for them to survive so i understand this like they need seven or eight clients to make a living and my whole thing is like if i can find one person who's biz- who's business savvy who does not want to be a writer, who does not want anything to do with this, but is willing to take 
Broken River and my stuff and like boost it, they can take half of everything that I make. Like I don't care. Just take half of it. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah, you have a point there with the uh shit. I think every who else is it that's with the uh uh top dog? Um same case in point. I mean I've never heard I don't even know who the fuck Top Dog is. I just know yeah. him mentioned and he puts out, you know, the fucking Absol and Schoolboy Q and uh Kendrick. Shit, Kendrick Lamar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, I uh, uh uh and and it's it's one of those things too where I can't remember this guy's name now. He was on Chillin' Island recently. His name starts with an R. He did a song with Future. He's got a really high pitched, like almost Danny Brown type voice. He's from Chicago, I think. Anyway, that guy is actually like a, a drug dealer and makes he has like said on record like I make millions of dollars a year selling drugs. This is not you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is like I mean of course like all rappers do, you know, but he's like actually serious. He's like he's like I stopped, but I made thirteen million dollars last year selling drugs. Um and so like he has like the money to like do this kind of sh- you know what I'm saying? So like you have to have that thing, whether it's good people or money or something. And a lot of writers just have themselves, and we're arrogant enough to think that that's enough, and it's not. I don't think anyway. No, no. But uh, no. Anyway, so heathenish. It's coming out soon. I guess we. You know what we. You know what. Uh, I'm gonna make the file tomorrow, and I'll send it to you. Sweet. And then we'll just uh, we'll just drop the Kindle, ASAP. Hell yeah. And then we'll just get it going. I have good I have a good feeling about this. Shit, I'm hyped, man. Hell yeah. I've gotten like ten, fifteen friend requests in the past couple of days and yeah. people have already talking about it. I'm like, yeah. man. Ain't even dropped it yet. See what happens when so, you're yeah. honest? See what happens when you're honest? It, it works. That's my new thing, yep. man. That's my thing with the podcast too, is like I'm not gonna actively try to hurt anybody which I think I have in the past, but at the same time, I'm just going to, I was, okay, so I was listening to Charlemagne the God's book, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, that black privilege? Yeah, dude, it's really good, it's good. And uh, between him and, uh, I can't remember who else said it, but like, it was one of those things where you hear that, you know, uh, two people say it like within a close proximity, some podcast, but it's just like, tell the truth and the rest will just fall into place. And like, that's kind of how I feel like about my art, about the art I put out, the things I say on this podcast, the things my guests say on this podcast. It's like, let's just tell the truth to like the best of our ability and not try to, if, if you try not to hurt people, but you also just try to be honest, you're going to get shit on. But I think it's, I think, the, I think it's a good model, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, nothing's ever going to be perfect. So, I mean, this way you might as well, you can be like, I'm being honest. Yeah. If you get shit on, and still be like, I'm being honest. Yeah. I'm not like faking and I'm getting shit on. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, because I mean, I'm just going to, I just put this shit out. Like I put these podcasts out just as they are unedited. And sometimes I'll be like, oh man, I said something fucked up or weird. You know what I mean? But oh, no. it's like, who I cares, love dude? It. Who cares, man? Like, let's just, let's yeah. just, it's just like from beginning to end. It's like we start. We say what because it's it's supposed to be like a conversation and goddamn it like if anybody has a problem it's like 
I'll talk to you for an hour, and let's see if you say one fucked up thing in that hour. Because I bet you will. Yeah, right? I'm not going to have any regrets about the fucked up shit I said. Yeah. Until I listen to it. And then, and then like, I'll go, oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to sell a book, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I think we did good. But hey, man, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. And uh, heathenish, go buy it. Go buy it, people. Yep. Go buy it. By the time yeah, you hear this, by the time you hear this, it's gonna it's gonna be on Amazon in Kindle form. So go buy it. Heathenish. I'm saying it seven times so that you fucking remember. Kelby Losack. Heathenish. Gonna be dope. Heathenish. All right, man. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you, man. All right, I'll talk to you. Thanks for listening to that episode. That was episode number sixty-one. Wow. 61 that's a lot of episodes and hey you know it wouldn't be a jdo show without an appearance from kalua walking around the apartment so i figured i would do this outro because i knew she couldn't resist so there she is that's kalua heathenish go buy it it's 3.99 it's on amazon.com right now go buy that shit it's fucking awesome all right have a good day bye